Welcome back, dear subscribers. It's me, Jenny, your wonderful host, and you are you, the wonderful subscribers. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode just for you. And today, I'm really, really grateful to be sharing something that I've wanted to make an episode about for quite a while. And I think I even took a poll on Instagram recently of this is one of the options for a future topic and I decided to save it just for you subscribers. This is going to be a fairly short brief episode but I think it's really really important and it's about sitting with others in their pain. Why is this important you may ask? It probably doesn't take that much explanation to figure out that we live in a very broken world where every single one of us is broken in some way and bad things happen. God is good and bad things happen, and those two things are simultaneously true at the same time. And so at one time or another, probably many, many times in your life, you will be sitting with friends of yours, with family members of yours, with people you really don't know that well, who are going through some sort of loss or deep pain in their lives. And you're going to be with them, same proximity, sitting with them in their pain. And I wanted to share about this for many reasons. One of them being, I used to be so terrible at this. I used to, I think until my freshman year of college, when I started learning how to do this differently, I was the master of escaping painful moments. <laughs> and I did that because... I was so uncomfortable with pain in general, and I think that I have the gift of encouragement, and I enjoy having fun with others. I enjoy making others feel better, which is not a bad thing in and of itself, but sometimes in being so uncomfortable with pain in my own life, I would get the opportunity to sit with others in their pain, and I would feel so awkward, just so uncomfortable, like I just wanted to get out of there. So I would do things like immediately try to make them feel better, um, say something that would get their mind off of it, try to point them to the word. You know, those aren't necessarily terrible things, but they were probably not the things that the people I was sitting with needed. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You've probably received this in some way or another when you're in pain, like imagine yourself in a hard time or grieving or something, you can probably remember a few times when people said things to you that were helpful, that you really appreciated. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you probably remember things people said that weren't helpful, or you're like, ah, does everyone have to keep saying that? Or things that actually made you feel worse. I mean, we all experience it on every end of the spectrum. That's why this is a very, very important skill to learn. And it's just so ironic because the Lord redeems and uses everything. But now I'm in a job where I get to facilitate personal ministry appointments for students in college. And it's really cool because I guess my title is student care coordinator. It's basically prayer ministry. There's a lot of new titles going around. But I get to sit in these appointments with students where they process very painful things. And part of my job now is to sit with them in their pain. And this is something I used to be so terrible at <laughs> that I used to 
dread and be so uncomfortable with. And now it's redeemed and I get to create a safe space for others to express their pain. So dear subscribers, I hope you enjoy these few things we're going to talk about in getting better at the art of sitting with others in their pain. First of all, I just want to tell you, and I don't want you to feel this pressure, okay? So I'm going to take this pressure off of you. You, of course, do not have to fix their problem. Whatever's making the person sad or causing pain in their lives, you do not have to make that situation better. And a lot of times we truly don't have the capability to make that situation better. It's out of our control a lot of time. And also, I'm just going to take the pressure off of you that you don't even have to make that person feel better after being with them. Sometimes there's absolutely nothing that we can do to take that pain away from them. Sometimes they won't even know what to say to tell you, like, I need you to do this for me in order to make them feel better. That's not your job. Because you, dear subscriber, are not in charge of someone else's experience. You cannot control someone else's emotions, someone else's thoughts, someone else's life. So don't put that pressure on yourself that, you know, you're in charge of showing up and you're in charge of your reactions, your thoughts, your words, your comfort that you give them, but you are not in charge of their reaction or what they need, or what they don't tell you they need, you're not in control of it. So just take that pressure off. And I found this wonderful, beautiful quote that was in an old school notebook of mine. Oh, geez, I'm gonna have to remember the name of this class. Because let me just flip there. I would always forget the name of this class that I took my freshman year of college. Okay, it's called Seeking Justice in God's Mission. That's a really wordy class title. It's basically social justice. And one of, one of the things that my teacher said, and I wrote down in my notebook, and I remembered today, and I was like, I have to go find that notebook and pull it out because it's so good. It says, when your neighbor's power goes out, don't pay for their electric bill. Sit with them in the dark. Isn't that beautiful? It's not always about fixing what's wrong or fixing other people's attitudes about what's wrong. That's not our job. We don't have that responsibility. We just get to be present with them. So I'm telling you, dear listener, that your presence means a lot more than the words or the actions that you say or do. And I love that quote because it reminds me, oh yeah, I'm actually not the one who can make anything better. That is on Jesus. So we can always point them to Jesus, but we can also reflect the Lord's presence in their life by being present ourselves. So a great thing to do is to ask the person, what do you need? Now, I'm not guaranteeing that the person will know exactly what they need in that moment. They may not think of it till later, or they may know exactly what they need in that moment. So if you walk into a person's house and they're grieving or you walk into just a good talk with them and then they start opening up about something that's really painful going on in their life, a great question to just stop 
and address first would be, hey, what do you need from me? It, it actually may surprise them because not everyone asks this question. They just like kind of assume. But we want to ask that question first and foremost because it would be terrible to the person who's hurting if they needed something and you thought they needed something else. You know that feeling when you just want someone to listen, but then at the end of you pouring out your heart, (laughs) they say, oh, you know what you should do? You should do A, B, and C. And you just kind of sit there and you're like, okay, that's really not what I needed. I actually just needed a hug or I actually just needed a listening ear. So asking the question up front, hey, what do you need? Is there anything you need from me? Do you need me to just listen? Do you need me to hug you? Do you need me to give you advice? Do you want me to help you think of solutions? Just get that out there first and foremost. It's going to save you a lot of trouble and misunderstanding down the road. And I want to share this one story from the Bible. I share this a lot in personal ministry appointments with students when they're in the middle of a painful situation that just doesn't make sense. If there's a lot of confusion over it, I point them to John 11. John 11 is the story of when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But, I mean, that little tiny section of the story is the part that we know the most and the best. But what we don't really address a lot is the part leading up to that. I think it's the most beautiful thing in the whole wide world. (laughs) Okay, it goes like this. Um... Mary and Martha, their brother, Lazarus, he's sick. They send word for Jesus in a different town. Jesus receives the word, oh, Lazarus is sick. And then Jesus, who's God, (laughs) who has the ability to completely heal Lazarus, he stays right where he is in his town for two days. And then he starts walking over to where Lazarus is. What the heck? Jesus purposely waited to start going to Lazarus' town. Why does he do that? It says in John 11 that Jesus multiple times says um, something to the effect of, this will not end in death, this will be unto God's glory. And so he's reassuring people like Lazarus isn't going to die, but he's talking, you know, like... The things that Jesus is saying don't make sense to the human ear in the moment, okay? And then he goes, Lazarus has already died. He's been dead four days by the time Jesus gets there. And then Mary and Martha are like, Jesus, what the heck? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus is deeply moved and he weeps with them, even though he knows he's about to raise Lazarus back from the dead. Does that make sense to you? (laughs) It doesn't really make sense to me. And it's beautiful in that God is with us as we grieve, even though he knows the story is not completely over for us yet. If you still have air in your lungs, then there is a purpose for you living, right? So Jesus is hurting and is grieving with you, is with you in your pain. But he's also not done working this out for your good. Does that make sense? So I tend to remind people of that story, not in the moment, (laughs) but in the appointments that I'm in, I do bring up that story a lot of like, 
we don't fully understand what's going on in the moment, but we can look back hindsight 2020 and see that he was there weeping with us, being present in our struggles with us, and yet he still worked out everything for the good of those who love him. It's just so crazy. So I'm going to tell you two things to not do. (laughs) Do not do this when you are sitting with someone else in their pain. One, you can probably already guess where I'm going. Do not say the sentence, everything happens for a reason. It's probably not going to be comforting to them, especially, especially if someone has passed away. The last thing you ever want someone to tell you is that everything happens for a reason. That doesn't really make anything better for the most part. And you could say, well, Jenny, it is technically true. Like, There are reasons that we don't understand and we can't see everything in the moment. Like back in John 11, I completely understand that, but that is not a wise thing to say in the moment. And so, yeah, let's just take that phrase off the table. And then second of all, we practice empathy, but we do not practice secondhand trauma. So here's what I mean by this. When you are with someone and they're sharing a painful experience with you, the thing is we want to be empathetic towards them, right? Saying like, wow, I'm deeply moved by your story. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's very hard. But we do not visualize ourself in their shoes. So if you're sitting with someone, they're telling you a painful story, you do not in your imagination put yourself in their shoes. Like let's say they've gone through something very traumatic. Don't imagine that traumatic thing happening to you. Sometimes that happens when we, you know, air quotes, quote unquote, want to practice empathy. We get it confused. You do not have to experience what someone else did for you to practice empathy. So our mind, when we imagine ourselves in someone else's shoes going through something traumatic, Our mind, of course, knows the difference between, you know, it actually happening and not actually happening, knows the difference between reality and not reality, but your body does not know that difference. So when we visualize ourselves in a traumatic situation, then your body's going to become tense. It's going to um, produce more adrenaline, cortisol, stress hormones. And it will not know the difference between what is real and what's not real. So practice empathy. Do not practice secondhand trauma. That will not be good for you. And then, of course, I just want to say this. There's a verse in the Bible that says we carry each other's burdens. But I do not think that means that we take everything onto our own shoulders and walk away with it. In personal ministry appointments, we do this where we pray beforehand, um, before the appointment, and then we pray after the student leaves. So I'm facilitating this appointment with someone else, ministering to the student. After the student leaves, me and this other person will pray, and we just pray to release that person and everything that they shared back to God, because we know that's not ours to carry out of the appointment. We just get this hour and a half window with them, right? And we get to minister what we feel the Lord is saying to them, encourage them, pray for them.
but we do not need to carry their burdens out with us past that appointment. If you do that, you will feel so burnt out (laughs) in such a short amount of time because you're not practicing good boundaries when you do that. So leave things not on your shoulders when you exit the presence of that person who is hurting. You got to take that off and bring it back to God because he's the only one who could truly help them and truly comfort them in a deep way. So I hope everything that I've said has made sense. I hope it's crystal clear in your brains. And to close today, I just want to read the most beautiful thing in the world. Okay, that's a little dramatic. I just want to read this wonderful liturgy. Oh, that's a really hard word for me to say. Okay. Liturgy. 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 Okay. I just want to read this liturgy for you guys. It's from the book, which is a collection of liturgies called Every Moment Holy. If you have not read that book, I highly encourage you to because it's so beautiful. So I'm just going to read this one liturgy to close us. It's called Mourning with Those Who Mourn. O Christ, acquainted with all our griefs, prepare our hearts to enter now this space of grieving. O God of all comfort, lead us humbly into this place of heartbreak. O Spirit who moves in the midst of our sorrows, fill us with a right compassion. Fill us with a right compassion that we would not cross this threshold armed with easy answers, but would instead enter bearing the balm of a divine tenderness best expressed in honest affirmations and small acts of service. Teach us even in this hour, O Lord, how better to mourn with those who mourn, that their burdens might in some way be made more bearable in our sharing in it. O Lord, in this place of holy sorrows, make us quick to listen and slow to speak, reminding us how the only true comfort Job received when his friends came was not with their many words, but from a willingness to sit with him in a silent sympathy of weeping. So let any spoken comforts we offer be the fruits of a real and costly fellowship with those who grieve. The sharing of such sorrows is indeed a good and holy work, O Lord. And for you also, Jesus, willingly entered the wounds of this world and wept with your creatures in their brokenness. And you have promised us that whatever your children gather in your name, you, oh, wherever, pardon me. And you have promised us that wherever your children gather in your name, you will be present as well. So be present with us now in this wounded space, O Spirit of God. Let our presence be sensed as a token of your presence. Let our concern bear unspoken witness to the redemption of your love will one day work even until the utter and unimaginably glorious reversal of this loss. Now speak, act, comfort, O Christ. Shepherd us into the sharing of this sorrow. May our hearts be as your heart here, our voices as your voice, our hands as your hands, our tears as your tears. Amen. That's all I have to share with you today. Thank you so much, dear subscribers, for listening to this episode. I hope it helps you in the future and present as you continue to sit with others in their pain. So, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.